Hello, Burlington, and welcome to Net Zero Energy. I'm Jennifer Green, Director of Sustainability for the City of Burlington, where our goal is to reduce and eventually eliminate fossil fuel usage. Today, we're here with Kelly Lucci, Director of Strategy and Partnerships at Efficiency Vermont, and Justine Sears, Senior Consultant with the Vermont Energy Investment Corporation. Kelly and Justine are here to share information on the 2023 Vermont Energy Burden Report, recently released by EVT. So glad that you're both here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting us. So we were just saying before we started recording, Kelly, that there's a lot of interest in this report. You were just on VPR, so we feel especially grateful that you were able to make the time because we know it's it's a hot topic and people are really interested in this subject. Yeah, it's raised a lot of uh, a lot of questions from a lot of our partners. And one of the things that's most exciting to us is we see other partners, others involved in the energy space who are looking to take the data and use it to help improve their programs, which is ultimately the whole reason Efficiency Vermont invests in uh, putting a report like this together. We, we want to improve our programs as well. So that's exciting to see. Do you mind giving us an, a high-level overview, and then we'll get more granular into the, the overall findings of the report? Absolutely. It's important to, I think, back up always and explain what energy energy burden is. Uh, it's a concept that makes sense once you hear about it, but you know those two words together don't always uh, you know, immediately bring a picture to mind for folks. But essentially, you can think of energy burden as being uh, the percentage that somebody spends on their energy costs as a, a part of their overall income. So when we're uh, looking at energy burden in Vermont, uh, we structure this report so we can understand are the geographic patterns in terms of how much energy costs are uh, affecting people across the state. We use that to think about how we can better target our programs. And high-level findings uh, from this report, uh, on average across the state, we estimate that energy costs comprise about 11%. There are three components to that uh, energy usage. There's transportation, uh, which is the single largest component of energy costs for most Vermonters. There is uh, thermal energy, so uh, energy spent to heat a home, uh, which obviously uh, in a a state like Vermont with long winters uh, makes a big difference. And then there's electricity, which is uh, the smallest component of energy burden. Justine, is there anything you'd like to add? So this iteration of the report is the first that looks at census block groups, which is the equivalent to a neighborhood and I think is most important in areas like Burlington. You get one, I think if you if you just look at the city as one unit, you get one value, which I think is on the lower end of energy burden. But if you pull out certain neighborhoods, you see that there are, there's an enormous amount of variation in income within this city, and that drives variation in energy burden. So you see that some neighborhoods are struggling more than others. And we have, we actually have a um, an online mapping tool, so folks can go in and find their neighborhood and see how they compare to other neighborhoods across the city. Justine, why do you think there's interest in this report? I think there's more and more interest in equity. So that drives a lot of it. Um, and you, when you look at, there's not much variation in energy spending across Vermont and even within Burlington. So most of that variation comes from income. People don't, when you're looking at non-luxury spending like transportation, heating, electricity, it's hard to, it can be hard to reduce your spending. So it's, it's the burden that we see is really driven by variation in income. And that's a, that is a question of social equity. 
Yeah. Well, I know, of course, at BED, we update our strategic plan every year. And now it's only the last few years that equity has been a primary focus. So just feel that there's an awakening about the importance of looking at equity, particularly as we talk about this transition away from fossil fuels. How are we going to do it so that everyone can benefit? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there used to be this idea within energy efficiency that low-income programming was expensive. And I think we see now that it's necessary. I uh, really want to underscore what Justine highlighted around the perception that uh, it, it costs more to run a low-income program. I think that's actually, it's an accurate perception. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes more time in terms of staff labor hours to get out, get into communities, provide additional support to folks to help them complete projects. And obviously it takes a lot more money to uh, provide an incentive to somebody and make uh, an energy saving project approachable. But I, I think the, the core argument of this report is that, that we have to accept those costs, we have to plan for those costs and build them in to how we're approaching programs going forward. Because if we don't do that, then there's no way the state is possibly going to meet um, you know, the aggressive emissions targets that we have. If we did, uh, you know, we could actually do so in a way that is to the detriment of a lot of customers. Is there anything that was surprising to you about the report, maybe particularly as you started looking at that granular census block level? Some of the takeaways for us that were a little bit more different than we expected uh, probably related more to the time period uh, that we studied um, because that overlapped with the COVID pandemic. Uh, And so there were some really interesting shifts around energy use that we haven't seen uh, as we've done this analysis in the past. Things like uh, vehicle miles traveled, uh, changes in uh, in communities across the state that were not even, um, and changes related to income uh, and and, uh, area median income in various communities in the state. These are stats that have stayed more or less consistent over our prior study periods, but we saw a a lot more shifts over time. Uh, And it'll be interesting uh, as we revisit this data, look at how to improve and change our methodology in the future to see if um, any of those, um, you know, uh, trends continue or if this was really just a blip. Can I also ask, though, so do we know how that compares to other states? Yeah, that's a great question. So most other states where an analysis like this is done, it's really important to note they don't typically include transportation energy. We include that in Vermont because Vermont is a rural state. And we know that, um, you know, based on other analyses that have been done, there's, there's no neighborhood you can live in in the state of Vermont where you can really easily and effectively do what you need to do without having access to some kind of uh, vehicle. Uh, So we feel like it's very important to take that energy cost into account as we're doing any analysis in Vermont. Makes it a little harder to do an apples-to-apples comparison with other states. Uh, But if we want to do so, we can pull transportation energy costs out. And uh, the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, for example, would say if there is an electric and thermal energy burden in excess of 6%, then they would define um, that burden as high. In Vermont, if we pull out transportation costs and we just look at thermal and electric, the average burden is about 5%. So we're approaching that threshold. We're not quite there, uh, but Vermont you know, is a, uh, a state where there's a relatively higher energy burden, even if you exclude transportation. So on average, the total energy burden in Burlington is lower than the state average. So a total energy burden of about 6%. 
so below that statewide average of 11%. And that's due to a number of reasons. There, we have more folks in multifamily housing, so they have s smaller homes, they're spending less on electricity and heating, and they're driving less. So how is the report relevant to Burlington um, from a renter versus homeowner perspective? Yeah, so um, in leveraging census blocks, uh, we uh, we hope we've created this as a tool that actually gives uh, people looking to implement their programs and understand the impacts, uh, something to work from, right? So everything is consistent with how the U.S. Census uh, breaks out its own data. So you can measure something like, oh, the percentage of renters in a given area. How does that align uh, with energy burden? Is there, uh, is there a, a, you know, a direct relationship between the percentage of renters and what we would perceive to be energy burden? I think um, that, that can be a clue, uh, especially when you're looking at the neighborhood level and, and what might be a driver of energy burden. I do just want to name, um, too, um, we're looking at energy burden at a household level. Um, there is an innate limitation in that. Um, it doesn't take into account other factors that might indicate a neighborhood, uh, you know, is socially vulnerable, um, deserves extra attention. It, it can't account for somebody who's unhoused, for example, right? So, um, you know, I always want to give the caveat that this data is important. It brings a lens of energy equity that we feel um, can be very helpful as programs are being structured. I definitely recommend pairing it with other data sources uh, to you know, round out the picture more fully and uh, help uh, provide perspective on the most effective way to serve the needs of a given neighborhood or community. Do opportunities sort of present themselves from this report? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it speaks to uh, the the need and value for programs that really do think about um, how to engage multifamily property owners uh, in uh, moving forward with projects. Uh, those those projects tend to be more complicated, uh, you know, and it can be challenging when there's already a housing crisis in the state to think about the implications of doing a deep retrofit project, right? Um, but I, I think it really gives us some important context um, and underscores the importance of uh, leaning in to those challenges uh, versus, you know, trying to continue to look for low-hanging fruit in energy efficiency. Because um, if we're only focusing on folks who own their homes, uh, yes, it, it may be relatively less expensive to operate those programs, but we're probably reaching folks for whom those energy costs are not as big of a challenge and burden. So Justine, is there anything you want to impart that we haven't talked about yet? I'm curious because you are a specialist in transportation, maybe with that lens. Yeah, I would just want people to remember that in this report, we're looking specifically at energy burden. So in the case of transportation, that's just transportation energy, which is primarily gas in people's vehicles. So we're not accounting for the cost of owning that vehicle, maintaining it, insurance um, and just and the cost to get around. So for most I, for most households in Vermont, that cost can be upwards of 15%, 20%, 25% even of the, the more rural you get, the more folks are driving. Most households need two vehicles. Um, that's an enormous burden that this particular report does not capture. I think that's worth noting. Yeah, definitely. Because we do talk about that when we talk about EVs. We talk about, yeah. you know, the total cost of ownership is much less. It may be more expensive to buy up front, maybe. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got new rebates and incentives. Yeah. I know there's a correlation between income and the total cost of ownership. And I believe we're seeing that the less resourced you are financially, mm -hmm. the more likely you are to drive an older vehicle that gets 
fewer miles per gallon and is more expensive to maintain. Yeah, I think you do see that pattern. And I think we also know EVs are tough because we know that the primary barrier for most low and moderate income households to invest in clean energy technology is upfront cost. So Justine, if folks wanted to get a hold of the report, where do they find it? It's at efficiencyvermont.com slash energy burden. So Kelly Lucci, Director of Strategy and Partnerships at EVT, and Justine Sears, Senior Consultant for the Vermont Energy Investment Corporation, thank you so much for being here and sharing information on the 2023 Vermont Energy Burden Report. Oh, you're welcome, Jen. Thank you for having us. Thanks. It's our pleasure. Thank you again for listening to Net Zero Energy. If you have any questions about this podcast or what BED offers regarding incentives, rebates, or technological support, look for us at burlingtonelectric.com or call us at 802-865-7300. You can also follow us on Facebook. We're always here to help and look forward to engaging with you on our mutual path to net zero energy. Thank you.